What is going on, everybody? My name is John, filling in the host for the most, Rosa Panta. This is the Clinic All NBA Podcast. Happy New Year. New Year, new us. I have the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Uh, feeling good, feeling great. Saw some football, saw something that uh, I just wanted to give a shout out with prayers out there. I, I know you're going to give a shout out on behalf of the clinic, John, but uh, prayers out to my guy. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Sammy, how you living, my friend? I'm good, man. New year, new us, like you said, and the same. I'll leave the shout out to you, though. Go right ahead. Yeah, it, it. JJ, thank you for, for kind of bringing that up. And before we get into the topic, I know this is a basketball podcast, but we did want to start off with some somber news. I don't know if you guys were watching Monday Night Football, but there was a super scary scene that happened today on the field. Bulls safety, DeMar Hamlin, was hit by, by T. Higgins on a what seemed like a routine play. He went down after getting up collapsing, and they were administering CPR, a defibrillator, and it was a super, super scary scene. He's currently in critical condition at the at the nearest hospital, nearest um, ICU. And I, I think just I speak on for behalf of everyone here on the clinic and the sentiment around everyone and most of the people in the world is that we talk about sports. We love sports. But ultimately, when things like this happen, it's just a game. And we with our utmost um, our thoughts and our prayers and, and everything that we that we have in us is that we just hope that Demar Hamlin is okay. We hope that his family, you know, we're, we're hoping and we're praying for his family. Our thoughts and prayers for everyone that involved and, and just just like a super scary scene. And um, ultimately, you know, it's just a game. But we hope that Demar Hamlin, that you're going to be okay, man. And uh, yeah, just super sad. But with that, I will move us on to the basketball portion of this 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 episode. And I want to do a, a kind of a New Year's resolution. It is the New Year, 2023, guys. I don't know if you had your own resolutions. I did. And hopefully I'll stick with them this year, which I, I normally don't. But I kind of want to get your guys' New Year's resolutions for a few teams. And I'm going to start here with Sammy. Sammy, I'm going to give you the Atlanta Hawks. Well, so many things you can say about our friends in Atlanta. Um, if I had to pick a New Year's resolution, I think the New Year's resolution is to figure out once and for all, what's the direction of this team going forward? And the elephant in the room is, is Trey Young truly a number one star that can lead you deep into the playoffs and potentially win a championship behind? Because the resources have been spent to do that. So how do you figure that out? You trade John Collins for one, because he's been on the market for three years. Try to surround him with whatever pieces you need and uh, figure out if you've got the right coach. I'd say you give this one more year at most and you go from there. Um, If you don't, then you talk about what has previously been unspeakable by next year, which is do you trade Trey Young if the market is out there for him? So that would be my resolution for the Hawks. Yeah, I, thank you for that, Sammy. So my team, and clearly somebody wrote this, and I think it was JJ who put this <laughs> outline together, because my team are clearly are the Los Angeles Lakers. Surprise, surprise, my team. So I, I would say my resolution for this team is has changed a bit. And I know I'm kind of backpedaling here and, and saying things that I didn't say once earlier, maybe a, a couple weeks ago or a month ago. 
But given what I've seen with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the way that they've been playing, I think the New Year's resolution for this team is to get them help and to try to win now. And I know I didn't say that earlier, but I did not realize that LeBron James at 38 years old still had this in him. I mean, maybe I should have looked at the previous years as a barometer, as a past history, and thought otherwise because he's clearly still dominating when he wants to. Anthony Davis has a has had a resurgence this year, resurgence this year. I know he's injury prone, but like when he's playing, he is arguably a top five player in the league, both all on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. So my resolution for them is to get him some help, get those two guys help. And if that's trading Westbrook, even though he's playing better off the bench, yes. If that's trading Lonnie Walker or Patrick Beverly, please. Although Patrick Beverly has been playing a little bit better, Sammy, one of your favorites. Um, yeah, just to get those guys some help and try to win now. Like JJ says, guys like this don't come around very often. And so I've, I've completely done a 180. And so you got to get these guys some help. So that's my news resolution for the Lakers. So I have JJ now coming up. And your resolution, your team is the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, John, thank you. Um, you know, last year when we were covering the Bulls, man, they looked pretty damn good, right? They had Lonzo, who hasn't played this year looks really bad reports say that he can't even walk you have uh issues with Levine saying that he's not motivated that he wants out potentially going to la la land to your lakers john and then you have demar Derozan just chilling and of course i want to give a shout out to our boy caruso my new year's resolution for the bulls blow it up Give these assets to teams that are deserving of these players. Like the Warriors getting Crusoe. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. That's the New Year's resolution for the Chicago Bulls. All right. I'm sure we got a lot of New Year's resolutions for a lot of these teams, but our time is only so limited. So maybe we'll, we'll revisit this on a, on a later episode because I, I think this is, this is great. So I'm going to move us on to our first topic, guys. So we are nearly a halfway into the season and we want to start talking about mvps kind of who's trending in that direction as we're getting closer and i want to start off with luka luka magic luka Doncic. the mavs are currently 22 and 16 and these are luka's last six games 50 points eight rebounds 10 assists at the rockets the next game at versus the lakers 32 Nine rebounds, nine assists, and two steals. The 27th at versus the Knicks. 60 points, 21 rebounds. 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. Two steals and one block in 47 minutes. And I think that's the first time in NBA history that someone actually had a six, not a 60-point triple-double, but a 60-20-10 game. But fact checkers, correct me if I'm wrong. The next game, December 29th at Houston. 35 points, 12 rebounds, 13 assists, one steal, two blocks. The next game versus the Spurs, 51 points, six rebounds, nine assists, four steals, and one block. I think you guys are getting the trend here, right? And finally, the last game against the Rockets, 39 points, 12 rebounds, eight assists, and one steal. Now, I think it's it's clear and obvious, right, that Luka Doncic is an MVP caliber player, and he is one of the favorites for MVP this season. And I don't, I don't think we should talk about that. What I do think we should talk about is the Mavs are 22 and 16. And I personally do not do not think that they are constructed currently to win it to be serious contenders. So my question for you guys is: 
Should the Mavs do everything in their power to trade anybody other than Luca and get help now at ASAP? I'm going to start this off with Sammy. Yes. 150%. Yes. You clearly have a transcendent player here playing on a level that honestly we may not have seen at least over these last eight to ten games or so and the most important thing about those stats you read off is they've won every one of those games so clearly he's not just putting up numbers that aren't meaning anything he is the driving force he's the reason they're winning these games like that next game where he went with like you said those numbers have never been seen not only did he pull that he intentionally missed a free throw i believe in the most perfect way possible where it tipped back and managed to tie that game. Like, oh my it literally is Luka magic right now. I haven't seen anything like this that I can recall anytime recently. The only comparable I think was uh, Kobe's scoring run. Remember at the end of, I wanna say it was maybe 06? Yep. Where he just had these amazing performances one after the other. I think that's the only comp that I, I recall to this. So like you said, the, the elephant in the room with this team is that they really aren't constructed well. They've got some nice role players, I'll give them that. Christian Wood's been solid, not amazing, but solid. They can't match up in the playoffs every year because they're too Luka-centric. And before anyone comes back at me and says, well, they made the conference finals last year, they made the conference finals last year because Phoenix had one of the most epic meltdowns in one game we've ever seen. <laughs> so, right. so the question becomes, do they have the pieces to make that big move? And I've seen I've seen people kicked around, Eric Gordon, Bogdanovich, players like that. Good, solid players, don't get me wrong, but this team needs a number two. And I actually kicked, the name out I kicked for them a few weeks ago was like a Bradley Beal is, is the piece that I feel like fits. So I would, as a Clippers fan, I don't want to see them make a move. Uh, as a fan of basketball, I, I would love to see it because I'd love to see if they complimented Luka. But the question becomes, do they have the pieces? So I'll, I think the move needs to be made. Can it be done? Jay, what do you think? Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. The move needs to be done because we always want to see great players with help because that makes them even that much better, right? But for the sake of Mavericks fans, you better hope that Mark Cuban is doing his best to get help for Luka because we've seen it time and time again where these players, they... They tell the public their undying loyalty to their team and lo and behold, a few years later, they're out. And there's already rumblings that if the Mavericks don't start doing moves, re reworking their roster, you could see Luka out even though he did sign that big contract. So, you know, as a we're all, all big fans of basketball, we want to see Luka compete at the highest level. He's not going to be able to do this with the roster that he has now. This is reminiscent of the Kobe years without Shaq, the LeBron years with the Cavs, and we don't want to see talent wasted. And that's what I'll leave it at, John. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you guys. Do you guys think that... Like... What piece... I guess this is kind of a loaded question, but I'll kind of break it down here. What one player that is a realistic trade piece 
given the rumors and given the the reports that this player is unhappy or players are unhappy, what one player do you think could actually make the Mavs title contenders? I'll go back to Beal. I've been on that well for a while because I think he is definitely attainable. I think he's lost just a little bit of value because he's crazy expensive now. I believe he signed a five-year, $250 million some odd deal in the offseason. Yeah. But he makes, to me, he makes a ton of sense with Luka. I think Luka would give him looks that he hasn't seen since John Wall was there at his peak, which Beal was not yet. Uh, I think he could also, they could stagger minutes so they have an elite score out on the floor at all times without him there. They've got complimentary bigs who don't need the ball, so I, I really think he fits there like a glove, and he's available. Now, again, do they have the pieces to get him? I don't know, but we know that the right for the right move, he could be had. So that's the fit that I like. If I'm playing 2K, John and Sammy, <laughs> I'll probably pair Luca with Steph, KD, or LeBron. Yeah, no, I meant obtainable. Obtainable. <laughs> yeah, I meant I meant realistic. Well, if he's only two K, they are obtainable. So maybe that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. If, if I'm gonna go obtainable, this is kind of um, kind of a a take, but it would be pretty cool to see him and Dame together. Hmm. hmm. He needs a shooter. I can see I that. Think, yeah. You know, Dame is getting desperate now to find a way to win. And I think that that duo would be work wonders. Yeah, I just don't like like Sammy said. It's more about do the Mavs have the right pieces to get Dame exactly. um, into Dallas? I feel like Portland would have more pieces. Well, no, Luca is is absolutely yeah. off limits. I, I get where um, you're going, but yeah, I, I agree. Can yeah, I throw yeah. a dark horse out there to both of you? Just see what you think. Yeah, please. Look, yeah. Cat. Wow. Oh, if, if things get bad in Minnesota. Fun. And they feel like they can't trade Gobert because of what it took to acquire him, which I disagree with the logic, but if they go that way, there's been so rumors be that called, Cat could be on the block. So they would be called the Alice Mavericks then, right? Because there's, there would be no D. <laughs> Completely. Oh. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> There'd be a whole lot on old Maxi Cleaver. Did it, that's, my, that's my dad joke for the week, even though I'm not a dad yet. <laughs> um, anyway, I digress. But yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think um, the, the season that Luca's having, you got to capitalize on it. And I want to talk about our next MVP candidate and kind of the team. So Nikola Jokic, who, for those who don't know, but I'm sure you do, unless you've been living under a rock, Nikola Jokic has won back-to-back MVPs last year and the year prior. So he could be, and correct me if I'm wrong, fact check me, the first three-time Three in a row, MVP winner in the NBA. I think I feel Larry like Bird won it. Larry Byrne did it three times. I think so. Sorry, everyone. Sammy's just fact checking me right uh, now. I'm I'm looking it up now. Um, in the modern okay. era, Bird did do it in like the old old school days. Okay. Uh, Russell and Chamberlain, but then we're okay. talking like pre 70s. Pre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I take that back. That I should stop just spewing nonsense out of my mouth. That maybe that's the lesson I should learn. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it, it, it hasn't happened frequently. It's very seldom that it'll happen. So Nikola Jokic, the Nuggets are 24 and 13. And so far, the, the Joker, the Joker is averaging 25.7 points, 10.9 rebounds, and 9.5 assists per game. I mean, pretty much a triple-double for a big man. And a big man who's not very athletic. So how, we, how he gets these rebounds is always beyond me. But I, he just knows how to 
position his body and and know where the ball is going to land. He's just extremely smart. He's also been shooting 62% from the field and 35% from the three-point line. 81, just over 81% from his free throws. So he is, the numbers that this guy is putting up are once again, crazy impressive. Oh. So I want to pose this question because there's only been a handful of, of three-time, three-in-a-row consecutive MVP winners, with Larry Bird being the most recent. Do you guys think that there... What chance do you give Nikola Jokic? And I know we talk about narrative all the time. And so maybe they don't want to give him a third one just because of the way it's perceived and the optics surrounding it. Do you think there's a good chance that Nikola Jokic will win another MVP? If they're, and the Nuggets are a first seed, mind you. And we know seeding matters. Do you think at this current rate, the numbers that he's putting up, and if the Nuggets are the number one seed, do you think that... They can. Do you think they have to give Jokic the MVP? I'm gonna start with JJ. Do they have to? I don't think they have to. We've seen a lot of players, the best players in the league, not win the MVP. As odd as that sounds, that does play in the narrative role, if that makes sense. So Jokic winning back-to-back MVPs was already a very impressive achievement but if he was to win it back to back we need to back start to back to back. yeah back to back to back we need to start having the same standards that we do with lebron james and steph with Jokic. and i don't think we've reached that point with with Jokic. if i'm the, if i'm not mistaken right like he's already 28 he hasn't won a chip or made it that far in the playoffs to be frank and not that I'm against Jokic winning it, but I feel that it seems that even though he's this impressive, I never feel like the Nuggets until this year, like they're they're an absolute threat. And I feel like when you're an MVP caliber player, you're that type of player that you're scared. Like, oh, I'm playing against LeBron James with the Cavs back at the late 2000s. You're right. scared to play him. You're scared, to, you're scared to play Kobe, even though Shaq left. You're scared to play Steph, even though so-and-so's injured. But with Jokic, I don't feel like he's scary, but it's a hot take. But I do want to see how far he could get, because if you're going to win back-to-back-to-back, that shows that you're a dominant player. Is he dominant, Sammy? Uh... I think in a sense he has become that. Uh, I will say him getting MVP, I think if Dallas finishes with a top four seed or better, I think Luka gets it. Almost no matter what. I do think... Well, well, well. Jokic probably, or I should say the Nuggets, probably have to be the one seed because he's already won Mm back-to-back. Like the standard's going to be higher. But at the same time... Last year, he won it in part because they finished well, even though that team was ravaged by injury all year. Porter and Murray basically weren't there. And to his credit, they came back. And I know it's by half a game right now. They are the one seed. So he is showing with that supporting cast that he can elevate not only players that you would consider average or slightly above average, but players considered, you know, superstars. And I think that speaks to his ability to play with anyone and make everyone better. Um, 
Are you scared of him the same way you are LeBron or Steph? Maybe not because it's almost if their skills are more jump off the screen. Is, is that is that that's the way I guess I would describe it? Where everything Jokic does is almost like there's a subtlety that's just so impressive in terms of how well he makes other players play. So I think it's more understated, but. At the same time, the fact that they're the one seed, and I really do think they have a legit shot at the title, speaks to how great he is. So I, I definitely think he deserves a consideration. Yeah, I. It's tough for me. I get what you're what you're saying, JJ, about he doesn't strike fear. I th- and it's just I, th- I think Sammy's right. It's the way that he, the way that he performs and the way that he plays the game, right? Mm-hmm. It's not really a a, a dominating force to be reckoned with the way that he's not a forceful player and i think that's where the intimidation factor comes in with a lot of these like lebron james he'll dunk on you embarrass you put you on a poster tomahawk style guys like that right or steph curry will rain a three from half court no without thinking twice and so these that kind of strikes fear in you um yeah i have another follow-up question for you guys here so the current Kia MVP ladder, MVP ladder, as of yesterday, I'm sorry, yeah, yesterday, January 1st, 2023, number one is Nikola Jokic, two is Jason Tatum, three is Luka Doncic, four is Kevin Durant, and five is Giannis Antetokounmpo. And so I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. One, on this list, do you agree with it? Or two, and if not, how would you restructure it? I'm gonna start with JJ. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, hot take right now. I'll say that my pick in the beginning of the the podcast season I had Tatum. Okay, but I'm gonna give props. I think oh, Kevin no. Durant. Oh, Kevin I knew. Durant I knew. I I knew you were they, gonna say that. They are the I hottest team right now, which we'll get into in a little bit. But oh, he boy. is having a strong case to be MVP. I'll say that. I'll say this. I'm still sticking with my guns with Tatum, but okay. KD, he's up okay. there, man. Give, give right. him respect. All right. Sammy, what do you think? Uh, I agree KD is having an amazing year. And I think right now, halfway in, it's probably a four-man race between the first four you named. Maybe this is recency bias, man. I got to go with Luka right now. Much respect to what Katie's doing. We just talked about Jokic's brilliance. I also picked Tatum at the beginning of the year. But Luka's gone just otherworldly right now, man. I just, I, I got to give it to him. Who's who's your pick right now? Wow. You know what? Uh, it's going to be crazy, but I think I might agree with JJ. <laughs> oh, and, and the reason I say that is because... Well, one, I got threatened by Katie's burner account the other day, and so I'm, I'm forced to say that here on this episode. No, the reality is his season is unreal. So he's shooting 56 over 56% from the field. And for anybody that really follows basketball and knows basketball, for someone like Kevin Durant at his size, where most of his shots are jump shots, perimeter shots, a majority of them, to shoot over 56% is absolutely insane. And he's shooting over 36 from three. He's averaging just under seven rebounds, over five assists, almost a steal, and almost 1.5 blocks per game. 
And I think the narrative can really be, it's tricky here because with what would ha what happened with Kyrie Irving, with the the all of the the rocky ups and downs, to, especially at the start of the season, I feel like they could really push for Kevin Durant to win this, given all that he's had to deal with, not just on the court but off the court. So I'm really, I'm gonna go with KD. Sammy, you're uh, you have this 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 look on your face you're probably right though no, man, i can't fault it it's just funny because i feel like we spent half of 2022 talking about Ragging on him mess that yeah. and that's more and i mean roll this back to what was it july or august katie was trying to get out of there yep sammy new year new us man new year so new can, us new kd apparently we can uh, backtrack so. on whatever we say it's a new year you wash all 2022 away hey look i i realistically <laughs> think if you pick any of right now 40 games in Jokic, tatum Doncic, or durant can't go wrong of that list tatum is probably a very close number four mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. now um but it also speaks, I think, to the level of basketball being played this year. It's been awesome to watch because we've seen some truly elite players playing at the top of their games. I don't think so you are wrong. So here is um, one last question before we jump into our, our, our little break here. And I don't know if this is really considered when we talk about MVP, but maybe it is. But how much the defense... Or how much should defense play a part of the decision-making process when it comes to deciding who is MVP? Because if we're talking about defense here, right, then you really kind of have to look at the first one, the first, and even maybe the second, and definitely the third when it comes to how, how good they are defensively, right? So I wanted to ask you guys, how much do you think defense plays a part in the decision-making process or how much should it play in your opinion? I'm going to start off with Sammy here. I mean, it should on some level. I, maybe not to the point where, like, it should be the deciding factor. But if a player is a clear negative on defense and another player, so let's just throw it out there. Luke is not the best defensive player we've ever seen by far. KD's defense is actually a little underrated. So if it came down to the two of them and their cases were similar, I might be a little inclined to give it to KD at the end of that, like, if the season came down to it. Because KD has shown he can defend and he'll put in the effort. Like, part of the reason the Nets had such a massive downfall last year is because he also was trying to be their best defender, which he should be a complimentary piece. He shouldn't be your main D guy because he's going to be your main offensive piece. So I think it should factor in. Uh, I don't think it does enough sometimes, but if you're putting up 40 points a game, but you're giving up 35, how can you be MVP? Yeah. That's how I look at it. I totally agree. Like, if you have someone like Luca last year during the Western Conference Finals and the Warriors picking on him intentionally, the plus and mi the plus minus is a huge factor. I know people don't like that stat, but you do have to look into it. That's why I like to give props to players that are two-way players, like Tatum. You have uh, Sammy's boy, like Kawhi. Jordan, I think Jordan, people often forget, like, he was a defensive player of the year once. Yes. And that dude was a monster. Kobe, a monster on defense. And I wish for the MVP voting, John, that they did count how much defense is part of the game because 
It's huge. It's the other side of the ball, for goodness sake. Yeah. It's, it's like part of the game, and we need to factor that in. And I know Giannis, he's not within the top three discussion right now with MVP, but like I said he's before, top tier. He, he is top tier defensive player that he could take over a game defensively. So Yeah. Well, you guys convinced me. We should definitely call the commissioner and ask Steve <laughs> to get uh, Steve Nash's two MVP titles stripped away. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love you, Steve Nash. He's, he's a legend in my, my eyes. Um, so with that, we are going to take a quick break. And here is a word from our sponsor. The NBA season is heating up and there are still so many unknowns. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Download the app now. Sign up with code TBP, TBPN. Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. So we spoke about MVPs. Now going to the other side of the coin, we're going to talk about our friends in Minnesota. They have lost six of seven. They finally broke a six-game losing streak, beating the Nuggets of all teams, which can tell you that (laughs) you should always watch League Pass because anything can happen in the NBA, clearly. (laughs) Prior to that, they had lost at the Heat, at the Pelicans, at the Bucks, and home at the or home against the Pistons, who are obviously still rebuilding. Now, as most of you listening to this probably know, they gave up a massive package of players and four first-round picks, including this year's in addition this year's first-round pick Walker Kessler to bring over Rudy Gobert, and it's just been an absolute disaster. The fear when it came up up front was that Gobert and Cat would not be able to play together, and defensively, they've been getting smoked, which was supposed to be the strength. They, they haven't been able to figure out their spacing offensively. D'Angelo Russell looks like one of the worst point guards starting in basketball right now, just being real. And it's affected all aspects of the team. They, they completely basically punched out all of their depth and were outscored 65 to 20 in the Detroit loss. So, no good. that being said, it's obviously only been half of one season. When do you sound the siren and sound the alarm if you're Minnesota and what does that mean? So, how long do you give this is the first question I'll throw out to you guys and after that point, if it's still not working, what's the move? Uh, John, I'll start this with you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just laugh at this because I, I, th- I feel like everyone on this panel or on this, on this podcast, we all thought that this was not a good fit for the Minnesota Timberwolves. When they made that trade with Utah, we looked at it and we said, I don't think they're going to be able to play the Gobert and Cat together. I just don't think defensively they're going to get crushed in the pick and roll. They're going to play smaller guys, more, the, the centers that are more mobile and that are quicker. They're going to give these guys fits just because you're big. I mean, this is not old school basketball where the game was a lot slower. Possessions are a lot. They, the, the, the possessions that are happening each game are way 
uh, magnified and, and exponentially greater than they were in the past. So for me, I'm not, I can't say we're surprised about this. How long do I give it? Honestly, I think you sound the alarm now. Okay. I don't think this is going to get any better. It's not like, well, they just need time to get acclimated. I just don't think it's a right fit. And they're going to, and they're, they don't, I, I'm trying to say this the right way without offending Minnesota fans. <laughs> I, I, I don't think the team is that good. Um, now, Rudy Gobert is not the only problem. I do think D'Angelo Russell should have been moved a long time ago, mm-hmm. personally. Um, I do like Anthony Edwards. I think he is he should be the main piece on that team. Can he be a number one? I think it's too early to say, but he's still a number one, number two at the at the worst. D'Angelo Russell, I think it's proven that he's not a winner. I mean, look at what happened in, in Golden State. I mean, JJ can attest to this. He probably feels very strongly about this, but as soon as they got rid of D'Angelo Russell and brought in Andrew Wiggins, they started winning and they won a championship last year. So would that have happened with D'Angelo Russell? I can almost certainly say no. I can't can't go back in time, but I'm pretty sure that would not have happened. So for me, I think they need to really blow it up and keep Anthony Edwards. I think they need to sound the alarm now. I need to start looking for trades. I need. I think guys like Bradley Beal, whoever's available, if you want to try to get another star in there, then start from there. Or if you want to build a more well-rounded team, but I think you got to get rid of a few guys on that team, a few key pieces, as they would say. So that's my thought. JJ, what do you think about the Minnesota Timberwolves? Please be a little bit nicer for our Minnesota listeners. I mean, I can't, I can't be nicer. You hit the nail on the head, John. I'm just going to say this, man. Like, you covered the issues with the players, their contracts. They're playing D-Lo, $30 million this year. I'm just going to say this, man. It's the Timberwolves organization. It starts from the top. We've said this last year. We said that the year before when we started this podcast that we never see the Timberwolves, even though they have this influx of crazy talent, go far in the playoffs because they're just cursed. They're never going to win. And it always starts from the top. We all have seen that good organizations that are run by intelligent people, it shows with the players that play. Now you have Carl Anthony Towns. We see all this talent. What happens in the playoffs doesn't show up. Anthony Edwards is on the cusp of being becoming great, but you've seen him time and time again give up, not really play, not really motivated. And then we have D'Lo. I mean, I'm not even going to go into D'Lo <laughs> because look what happens. Look at the players that leave, that leave Minnesota. Sammy, Jimmy Butler, John, you mentioned Wiggins. As soon as they leave the situations, it's not like people are like, hey, yeah, exactly. They thrive. The talent is there, but it doesn't thrive. When they leave, though, oh, one went to the finals the year after with Butler. The other one just won a championship in Wiggins. Just saying, Sammy. Just saying, John. It's the organization. I don't yeah. disagree. Go ahead. I don't know, man. Like, do you guys think that they should trade everybody but Anthony Edwards? Because I'm, I'm starting to lean towards that. That's actually where I was going to go. Um, yeah, I think we, they should just blow it might, up. Yeah, we might be there. So looking at their contracts, 
The interesting thing on this is their cap sheet is actually pretty clean, minus uh, the, the uh, Twin Towers yeah. there. Um, <laughs> Gobert and Cat are under contract until 2526. They are going to combine uh, next year to have a $77 million hit. The year after that, it's $93 million, and the year after that, it's 100 between the two of them. D'Lo is a unrestricted free agent after this year, so you would assume they're going to let him walk, but as JJ said, no offense, it's the Minnesota front office, and that is the track record that we're dealing with. Outside of that, pretty much the entire team is off the books by the end of next season. So, to me, it's build around Edwards, but as, as JJ mentioned, we've seen some lack of motivation at times, uh, not the best decision-making. Is Chris Finch the guy for them? It's, it's hard to say, but if it doesn't work out with him, which usually the coach takes fall in these scenarios, you got to nail the next coaching hire, and it's got to be what's best for Anthony Edwards because Cat doesn't seem like a number one, and I think we've all seen that at this point. So to answer your question, yes, I, I think I would open it up. I wouldn't trade them no matter what because you got to get some sort of value back, but I would be open to taking calls on anybody but Anthony Edwards. JJ? Yeah, I mean, at this point, just start fresh. Maybe keep Anthony Edwards, as he said, and get assets. It's not working. What what else do you need to see from Cat? You've had him for so many years. Question you know, on that. Do you think, in part with Cat, it's because he's never been in a winning organization, or do you think it's a purely a player mindset issue? It's so weird, right? Because like you look at Carl Anthony Towns, he's had a stretch of where he's just putting up pretty insane numbers. I mean, his numbers are up there. They're, you're talking about numbers with some of the best players in the league, right? But they're not winning games. It's the the reverse of what we were talking about with Luka. Luka is putting up these crazy numbers, but the, the Mavericks are winning the games. So what's the issue here? Is it Carl Anthony Towns? Is what, I, I, can't, I don't have my, his plus and minus in front of me, but maybe he's just giving up as many points as he's getting. Maybe he's giving up as many rebounds as he's getting, right? Maybe he's making a, a empty assist, so he's, all of these stats are coming late in the games when the game's already out of hand. I mean, I don't know, the, know what the reasoning is, but there's something going on, and I don't want to put the, the entire onus and blame on, on Cat because I don't think that's fair. I mean, D'Angelo Russell probably gets most of the blame. Sorry, sorry, everybody. <laughs> but I, I don't, yeah, like the organization, I think they, 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 it's like they just get a bunch of, of guys that are that can play basketball in a on an individual level and they don't think about the team aspect, maybe. Maybe that's kind of what the organization needs to do better. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's it's hard to say that that analogy you just gave actually reminds me a lot of how Isaiah Thomas built the Knicks a couple decades back. Remember, they would just, it seemed like they made a trade every week. Mm -hmm. right. And they never looked at team composition. It was, let's trade for Eddie Curry. All right, now let's bring in. Uh, <laughs> oh, Eddie Curry. Wow. Okay. Well, they brought him, remember, they, they brought him in. They had another big already there, and they didn't think about how it was going to, to fit, and they didn't play well together. I can't remember the name of the second player right now. But yeah, they had a second player there. 
too big. Like it was supposed to create this whole, you know, twin towers thing. It just never worked out. They then they traded for Steve Francis. They had him there for a bit with Marbury, I believe. Like there was just no composition to the roster, and Minnesota feels the same way. So. You know, we'll see if they can build out of it, but I, I'm not seeing it with you. I'm, I'm with you guys. I don't think this ends well, unfortunately. So we'll see what decisions they make in the offseason, if not sooner. On a brighter note, let's uh, let's move to the to the Brooklyn Nets. I almost said New Jersey, which is a sign for all of you about how old I'm getting. Um, they have now won 13 in a row, 14 of their last 15, and are now second in the East. I believe they have the second best record in the league at this point. And Kevin Durant has just talked about how they found their identity. He, he said, and I'm going to paraphrase, he felt like they didn't have an identity to start the season. And then we started to figure it out in the last month or so, figuring out their identity as a team, believing that if they stick to a game plan, that they'll be fine. Related to that, the next coaching staff showed them some stats grading out in their terms of rebounding specifically box outs putting a body on someone and it's significantly up their rebounding effort that's helped them out to give them extra possessions so when i read this quote i thought initially it was a uh, pretty big shot at a certain former coach that john mentioned earlier <laughs> that is no longer there one two-time mvp steve nash so with that uh let let's start this off by asking a couple questions here has the coaching change truly been the catalyst? And is this sustainable? Do you feel like this team, from where they were at the beginning of the year to now, is legitimately a title contender as constructed, no trades, nothing else, right now? JJ, I'll start this one with you. Ooh, so first question, are they for real is what you're asking. Yeah. I think they're pretty for real. I mean, from a from an offensive aspect, they're they're really getting on transition. They're leading the league, I believe, in fast breaks, or they're top five, and they've been masters of the clutch. Meaning that I believe uh, Kyrie Irving's leading fourth quarter scoring, and Katie's right behind him. So they're doing what they have to do. Um, if we're gonna go ahead and pose our formula for winning, as we do in the clinic, we always believe in you know chemistry. So has Kyrie been playing? Yes, that's that's part of chemistry, right? Then we're going to go with uh, MVP caliber uh, talent. We have KD, so that's two out of the three. Now, do they have the defense is the question. And they're playing great defense, but will it be that dominant defense that we've seen champions win throughout the past years? I'm not quite there yet, though I'm giving them huge amount of props saying that, you know, winning their 14 out of the last 15 is insane is it sustainable sammy which is your second question no <laughs> i'm gonna just say this john no man we've we're we gotta look into history you guys know that i'm a huge history buff i love my statistics i love my evidence all signs indicate that from now on until june which is a long time guys it's a long time something's gonna pop off with Kyrie. There's going to be a distraction. And I know that I shouldn't judge people. I should give them second chances. But if you look into the history with the Cavs, the Celtics, and even the Nets for the last two years, they've given this dude how many chances? It's only a matter of time. 
But hey, I'm all about New Year, New Me Kyrie. Prove us wrong, baby. Prove us wrong. That's all I'm saying. Is that fair, John? Am I being out of control right now or what? No, you're, you know, you're, out of, you're being out of pocket. I mean, only to the Brooklyn fans, probably. But uh, honestly, I, I, I agree with you. I think that they are... And, and look, it's like what they, what do they say? Innocent until proven guilty, right? We can't really make our accusations or say things if, if it hasn't happened, but you can make assumptions and you can make predictions. And the Brooklyn Nets are not the most stable team. So volatility is and or can and very is very likely in the future. I mean, it's really just given like Kyrie and his stance on a lot of social issues, political issues, whatever it may be. JJ's right. The the chances of something coming coming up, a topic coming up, him saying something, him, you know, posting on Instagram, just with the the the, the environment that we live in today, and the access to media and um, social media and posting and all of this information at our fingertips, it's so easy to get caught up in something. And Kyrie, there's a good chance that he is. Now the the real question is, are the Brooklyn Nets going to let it affect them? Right, mm-hmm. because one of the things that everyone knows that that transcends all sports is that winning winning heals everything. Winning literally, into, obviously, there's there's certain things like life, and and things that happen that that are, are more serious. But in terms of the, the the game itself, and the drama or things that are like, you know, the distractions, healing, heal, or healing, winning cures that all. And so if the Brooklyn Nets are continuing to win, if they're continuing to do what they're doing, it may not matter. Um, but to answer your, your initial question, Sammy, I do think they are contenders. They are a top 10 defensive team rating wise as of today. They're number 10 with a defensive rating of 111.6. They are, Kevin Durant is playing at MVP level like we talked about. Kyrie Irving is playing games and that's building chemistry especially with Ben Simmons, right? And Ben Simmons isn't putting up eye-popping numbers or statistics, but he's doing the things that you need a guy to do on a, on any basketball team in order to win games, whether that's making the right play, that's, whether that's making the hockey assist, whether that's defending the other team's best player. Those are all X-factor little things that don't show up on the box sheet that you need to win games. And I think Ben Simmons is doing that and he's getting better and better at it. And the more that they get acclimated, the more that they play together, I think they're going to start winning more consistently like this. I think you're going to see, obviously the streak is going to end probably in the near future, but I think you're going to see streaks like this consecutive ones, right? You're going to see like a six game win streak and then they'll lose one or two. And then you're going to see an eight or nine game win streak. That's what I think about these Brooklyn Nets. And so I do think they are contenders. But again, big if <laughs> with Kyrie Irving. So right. we shall see. Definitely. And you are a hater. <laughs> you know what? It's it's too early for me to take a victory lap, but I remember having to eat some crow by the offseason because I was a big fan of the Simmons-Harden trade uh, at the time because I thought Simmons was going to fit this team perfectly. And you know, it took it took about half a year of fired coach <laughs> and putting him at power forward, but I think he's fitting in quite nicely now, actually, and he's doing the things they want him to do. Now, yep. what you said is Excuse true, John. So the, the thing with them is, 
the way I posed the question to you guys was with no trades, right? And so I will leave it at that. The the concern with the Nets is that one of your top two players is so volatile and you don't know his availability and you're not sure what you're going to get, but you need him to realistically go anywhere. So any trades they make anyway along the edges, if Kyrie either gets hurt or pulls a Kyrie and he's gone, they're pretty much sunk anyway. So I will say this version of the Nets is a contender provided that they are all available, whether that's from injury or anything else. And with this team, the problem is that anything else is a much wider net than any other team in the league. So I'll leave it at that from a basketball perspective, whatever opinions he has aside, I hope they stay healthy because they're entertaining, you know? And so we'll go with that. With that, that's actually uh, all we have for today's episode. I want to thank you both for being on. Jay, thanks for being on as always. Just want to give a shout out to uh, June or Ro, as he would say it. Uh, Shout out to our other host and Happy New Year, everybody. John, thanks for being on, man. Hey, thank you guys and uh, prayers out to Mar Hamlin. Yeah, for sure, man. With that, best wishes to Demar Hamlin. We hope to hear good news when we... uh, when we wake up in the morning, we're recording this Monday night. With that being said, I want to shout out RJ, our video producer. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All-NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All-NBA. I'm Sammy Neighbor. This is The Clinic All-NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.